welcome to today's podcast. Uh, Bush and Ritchie here with uh, another episode of the Home Time Show. Um, I will let you into a secret about something that happened during today's show that those who listened live don't even know about. That's right. If you listen very carefully and closely to the last bit of the show, you, you might notice Richie and myself a little bit more breathy than normal. <laughs> And it's not a new angle on broadcasting that we were trying out. It was the fact that we had to run up and down the stairs because we had a fire alarm during one of the songs. The drama! Oh, the drama. Now the building's still fine. Turns out there wasn't a fire. Well, we don't know. No one else is here. It's only us. So uh, <laughs> hopefully it's all been sorted out. Oh, what, what a moribund podcast this will turn out to be if it's some kind of like. Final words. Memorial home time <laughs> one. <laughs> we don't know. Home time with Bush and Richie. We've passed the midweek mark, kinda. I think it's start, a time to start thinking about the weekend. And I'm very proud to announce that we're going to the zoo on Saturday. Is that me? You are? You said we. Well, no, it's not this time. Oh. Sorry, Richie, this is just, just me and the family, me and the girls and stuff. But I'll bring you next time. OK. And you can, we'll go to the gift shop, you can have whatever you want. Thank you. Within reason. Pencil with the rubber on the end. They, well, it's always the same with him, isn't it? Uh, going to Colchester Zoo with the family, little Thea's first trip ever to the zoo. I'm very excited for her. Uh, we've already been talking to her about the fact she's going to see lions and tigers and zebras and stuff like that as well. Uh, you went the other week, it's a great zoo I in did Colchester. Go. I, d- I don't need to go with you this weekend because I did go a few weeks ago. <laughs> oh, you ruined yourself out of it. I actually I refused your invite. <laughs> it's amazing. It's brilliant. Best, best zoo I've been to. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But as I was I sat there chatting to her about lions and tigers and stuff like that, I realised the penny dropped. The realised that I'd fallen into this age-old trap with, with zoos and animals and that's overly focusing on what I would call the Flash Harry animals. Do you know what I mean? The animals, they get all the attention, the top tier. Yeah. Uh, the, the ones that are probably on the poster for the zoo, like uh, the fancy monkeys or, uh, like I say, tigers, sharks, yeah. those kind of things. But what about the less glamorous guys, OK? Like, for example, whenever I go around the zoo, I never, ever go anywhere near the aviary where the birds are. <laughs> Why would you go and look at birds in the zoo? They're everywhere. We know your issue with birds. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that. Well, there's also a... Uh, I don't mean girls, by the way. I just mean the animals. Uh, the other thing is, like, farmyard animals. Farmyard animals, I've always thought, I've got no... They've got no point in a zoo. Like, yeah. I'm not going to a zoo to watch a pig. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, them. So, it's maybe like a quest. Why don't we, on this hour of the show, have a little quest to, to try and find what we think is the world's most underrated animals? I will offer up, for a start... You go on. The most underrated animal, I will offer up the sea lion, okay? Oh, yes. I think people look at your sea lion and they see it sort of sat on the side and they think, (laughs) there's this oafish thing going... (laughs) When you see them underwater, they are like the synchronised swimmers of nature. Yeah, so go and give them a chance. Rather than focusing overly on the tiger, go and check out a sea lion. Yeah, you watch them swim, they're like Duncan Goodhue. They really are. Well, I'll give that a go. That's brilliant. This Seriously. Is it. Already got an un- underrated animal there. I'll probably, I promise to go and have a look at the birds this time we're in the zoo. <laughs> if you have an underrated animal, an animal in your opinion that doesn't get a look in in the modern day race for animal attention, we want to hear from you this evening on the show. It's 8.12.15. James is putting forward the honey badger. Now, that's a great shout. I don't know whether there's any where you're going, but... Maybe they've got one. They are, they are I believe, one of the most ferocious things on this planet. Is, it, are they, is that... I remember watching this survival programme and they were talking about a thing called a wolverine. And it might be a kind of similar thing. They've got, like, really sharp teeth and they never give in. It's not just the teeth, it's the jaw. I think they've got... I think the honey badger's jaw is... I might have this wrong. Go on, I, I Go, it's it. never stopped you in the past. No, 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 I, I'm pretty sure about this. <laughs> I think the lion... Uh, the, the, the honey badger's jaw is the equivalent force of being hit by seven voxel astras. That is an amazing statistic, if that's Something true. Something like that. I like I'm that. sure it is. Haven't they got a name that lulls 
lulls you into a false sense of security. Exactly. You honey think, badger. Oh, Mr. Badger, so, with your honey. Sounds like a Care Bear. And then they come with their jaw. Sounds awful, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, well, I'll give that a go. <laughs> Underrated animals here on this show. Uh, Warwick says, Bush, as you once said that you thought that sheep and lambs were different species, perhaps you <laughs> should go and look at farm animals. <laughs> right, I'm willing to go and revisit. And then our producer, Nick, says uh, his vote for most underrated animal would be pigeons. He says they won us the war. Now, I do believe that they won a medal. They did. Pigeons. If you go to, where's the place where they did the Enigma Code? And you can go to, it's near Milton Keynes. Leslie House. They've got a whole section dedicated to the pigeons of World War II. A loft, I would hope. Which sounds like a band you might see at the Reading <laughs> Festival. There is a loft up there, it's absolutely amazing. A lot of people loving your impression of a sea lion earlier on. A couple of people saying, sounds like Blakey from On The Buses. Some people having a go at me that Duncan Goodhue was the most relevant swimmer that I could think of for my uh, sea lion analogy. I, I couldn't think of a more modern swimmer, though, when you were talking about it. It's a really good point. We need to up, up, update some of these cultural reference points. Oh, dear. Um, an update also on wolverines. Uh, oh, yeah. As we were looking, we're, we're looking for the most underrated animal. The honey badger came in earlier. They are different to wolverines, and wolverines are found in North America. Well, they're, so they're both ferocious, though, aren't they? Very true. ferocious. But you never hear about them, do you? Uh, Stacy says, got to be the antelope. The only time, time you see them on telly is when they're being chased and mauled by lions. They need a much better PR strategy. Yes, they do. Isn't that? Yeah. He's absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Austin's on the line. Austin, what is the most underrated animal as far as you're concerned? Yeah, myself and my grandson go quite often to um, Chester Zoo and obviously we steer normally towards the elephants and the giraffes and um, such like. He's two years old, but every time we go past this little hutch that's slightly <laughs> covered, it's slightly sheltered and there's a little animal in there called a tinamou, a which I, I, I call a basically a glorified chicken uh, <laughs> he, just, he just absolutely loves them he just as soon as he gets in there and he, he, he keeps saying tinamu tinamu what what, what do they look like what, what is what's so cool about these things it is well the, the, i don't know he, he just loves them there's nothing particular i mean they're quite plain looking as i say they just just like look a bit like a, a big chicken big chicken Aust bother, austin bother on your recommendation side. and from your grandson yeah. i've just done a quick google image search and yeah your tinamu yeah. i'd say it looks very much like a partridge Really? Yes. I like the sound of these things. What was that comedian that used to pretend to ride a giant chicken with sponge legs? Bernie Clifton. Is it Bernie oh. Clifton? Are they big enough for yeah. something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not quite like that. Oh. <laughs> a bit smaller. Um, and I, I think to describe them as a partridge is a, is a bit uh, overstated, I would I would suggest. You wouldn't go that far. They haven't got the fancy tail that a partridge has got. But, um, there you go. Even these Timmies yeah. are even getting slagged off now. They can't win, can they, these guys? They can't, can they? No, and, and they're so entertaining. He, as I say, he just loves them. They just bob around in this little enclosure and he, he's just mesmerised by them. So forget your giraffes and your elephants and your tigers and lions. The Tinamu is the one you want to go for. Brilliant. Lovely to speak to you, man. Have a great Wednesday night. Thank Sounds you. like it's raining where you are. Thanks Thanks here. Cheers, Austin. Bye. Cheers, Thanks, buddy. Guys. Well, you say, the, you say about the smaller ones. This one, as Josh points out in his text message, is not small, but what's it before the moose? It's got an average height of 2.1 metres. That is height, and it is high. I would not have known how high a moose was, so I, I am surprised by this, Josh, and I will I will take your vote. If I was if if the moose community are listening, just do a bit more when people are walking by. What's that? There's that other one that gobs at you when you walk past. What's emu. That e e no camel. Cam <laughs> Gobbing emus. <laughs> I'm thinking about Rod Hull. <laughs> uh, Paul is hanging on, uh, wanting to nominate uh, the tapir. What can you tell us about the tapir, Paul? There's a tapir. 
it's uh, a, a sort of, almost looks like an elephant from the front, front but uh, sort of quite a fluffy, weird, cute-looking animal that's semi-aquatic. So, uh, wow. yeah. Well, so, sorry, just back up a second. It looks like an elephant from the front, but it's also <laughs> fluffy, and it's semi-aquatic. <laughs> I suppose it's about the size of a large dog, yeah, so sort of an Alsatian-sized animal. It's featured recently on Jimmy's Farm, and uh, the male is very, very well endowed, shall we say, to say the least. And, uh, <laughs> he can actually tread on it when... Uh, what? He's particularly excited. Well, I never. <laughs> um, who'd, have, who'd have thought? Um, uh, how's, your, how's your job going yeah. as spokesperson for Colchester Zoo, Paul? Is it going all right? Do you know what? It's Looking at a, a picture of the uh, tapir right now in front of me, it's a good job that he's got something going for him because his face ain't great. <laughs> <laughs> he had, he had, he had to have some break at some point, didn't he? Something's got to be going for the guy. Do you want to clear your web browsing history there, Richie? I haven't had a look at that. Uh, good to speak to you, Paul. Thanks, mate. No worries. Thanks very much indeed. Proper dark outside right now. Obviously, the uh, the clocks changed at the uh, the weekend. Uh, twice a year, we uh, we go through that rigmarole. Uh, the autumn one, the better, because you get uh, the extra night in bed. I don't understand seasons, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but do you know what? Strange thing. So Monday, I caught the train into work and got to the train station. And I started laughing to us, laughing to myself because the the clock on the platform hadn't been changed. And I was like, <laughs> brilliant! The train station clock hasn't been changed from Sunday. You mean the main great big one that you the look at as your point of reference? platform clock to see whether the train is on time. Or Man, I mean, I'm pretty slack, but that's that's quite bad, isn't it? Exactly, yes. That was Monday. Uh, yesterday, got to the train station again. I was like, no way. I still haven't changed the clocks. Tuesday. Yeah. Clocks changed on Sunday. Oh, well, fair enough. I got to the train station today. I'm starting to get a little bit irritated about it. The clock still has not been changed. It is four days on Amazing. from the whole GMT business. And here's my point, right, OK? If you're in a cafe and you look up at the clock on the wall and it's not being changed, you're kind of like, not really going to change the fact as to whether my coffee or my Swiss roll or whatever uh-huh. is going to be decent or not as to whether the clock's right. It's neither here nor there. Train station... <laughs> when the whole thing is, is my piece of transport going to arrive on the time that you're telling me to be there for yeah. it? And the clock is a whole hour out. I find it weird. This particular, say, if someone says, I've got time to go around WH Smith's for a magazine, you yeah. might look out the window in the train station and think, oh, you've got ages yet. Yeah, exactly. No, you haven't. The clocks haven't been changed. Or they do their announcements about, you know, this ticket is only valid for such and such a train. Well, your clock's a whole hour out, mate. And for the sake of someone going up down the side of that clock and just putting a biro in, holding it in four or five seconds and changing the time. Do you know what I mean? It's that easy. But then says he, but then says he, who I hear has not yet changed the clock on the dashboard of his car, there's a spate of people out there who don't do this and I want tonight (laughs) to use this home time show to out those people and organisations that four days on have not changed their clocks. I don't get it. Okay, so I'm going to be completely honest and I'm I'm willing to submit to you that I have not changed the, the clock on the car. Uh, and it was really weird. I had like an out body experience driving. I drove to North London this morning, uh, and the estimated time of arrival at one point was the same as the clock time on my car. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like it was travelling time. I couldn't live like that. I couldn't live like that. So strange. And then on top of that, the oven clock. But that's never. That's at two o'clock in the morning, and it's always been like that. It's just <laughs> ovens have got no no grounds to be getting involved in time telling. Just heat stuff up, <laughs> keeps you lane. Andrew has tweeted, and I like the spirit of this. He says guilty. I 
I slept in our spare room last night. The clock hadn't been changed. I got up and showered and dressed for work an hour early today. This is it. It messes with people's lives. And I hate the fact that they update, you know, your, your phone and that updates without you even deciding on whether you want to give the hour up or, or not. Like, I want to decide when I change the time. Not someone else, not who the would, man. Who would want to be a time denier? I, I want to stay in my own lane. It. It's like, I'm sure I've heard the Sultan of Brunei when he flies to a different part of the world. I, I, again, this is second-hand information. I think he does all of his meetings and that on, on Brunei time. Which of the two facts that you and I have put out tonight, the one about the honey badger and the Vox Lastras or the Sultan of Brunei's personal clocks, is going to turn out to be more correct? We will find out. Uh, Sarah in Basingstoke has texted, I've just been away camping in Cheddar and the church haven't changed the time on the clock tower. It was very confusing when the clock chimed on the hour. Even Jesus Christ himself has dropped the ball on this one. Now, on that one, I mean, I would imagine changing an old-fashioned clock tower is maybe a little bit harder than it is changing your oven. Well, I, I, for me, the oven, I, I wouldn't even know. We don't have the instructions. How many people listening right now don't have the instructions for their oven anymore? It's the hardest thing to, to sort out, particularly to oh, change the clock. Come I, on. I've, we've never been anywhere near. Our clock just says 2 o'clock in the morning, as you'll see from the photo on Twitter. Matt says, Evening, gents. The easiest way to set your oven clock is to turn your house fuse board off at 23.59 and then back on a minute later. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I might try that. There you are. You need to. Do it tonight. Stay I'm going to do it. Uh, Gordon's hanging on. You've got a point to make on the audit, Gordon. I certainly have, absolutely. Um, if you don't mind, I don't like to change my clock back in the winter. Why would you if not you... want to, Gordon? Well, all that driving during the dark winter months, it gives me something to look forward to. You know, British summertime coming along. It gets it. lighter in the evenings. Why do we have to change our clock? Who says we have to do it, Gordon? I'm with you on this. Maybe we should start a rebellion here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's start up the car clock. British summertime. <laughs> well, I need to know, work on the name of the club. <laughs> Just see that on the on the news on the Saturday evening, and don't forget it's the car clock British <laughs> summertime thing. <laughs> Gordon, I I admire your stubbornness, but um, I can't get on board. Hey, Richie, try it with about a month to go, and I think you'll find it works. <laughs> Brilliant. Good Brilliant. to speak to you, ma'am. Thanks, Gordon. Bye. OK, cheers, guys. Uh, James has texted saying, Evening, lads, I was working Saturday night. I watched the clock go back from 1.59 to 1. <gasps> Absolutely soul-destroying to have a groundhog hour. I love moments like that where you feel like you've caught the world out, like you've seen behind the scenes, like a bit of like, yeah. like the microphone going into shot if you're watching a TV <laughs> show or something. Yeah. Like, ah, gotcha. Uh, love this one. Richard, the IT manager, I can get on board with this. He says, Guys, I've got two clocks in my van. One on the dash and one on the radio, and they aren't linked. Uh, this isn't a problem, it's an opportunity. One of them is my spring and summer clock, and the other one is my autumn and winter clock. I don't need to change them, I just need to look at the right one depending on the time of the year. Job done. We've got Simon on the line right now. Simon, you've got a point you would like to make about clocks changing, is that right? Yes, yes. We don't, we don't change our, uh, our clocks at all, and we stick to the, um, to the old time. Um, because we find it upsets the cattle too much. Right, so just to clarify, you're, you're a farmer and where are you and what, what have you got on your farm? Um, we are in Wiltshire and um, we've got dairy cows and beef cattle. Right. So cows can tell the time? <laughs> well, yes, they can, yes. Yes, it, um, you know, it does, um, you know, it, if you go into the shed an hour earlier to bring them out for milking, mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, you're not supposed to be there. They sort of uh, look at you as if, uh, 
morning. Wow. That's unbelievable. Who'd have thought that? Wow. And, and, and the thing would be in the afternoon, um, they would be sort of uh, queuing up uh, perhaps an hour earlier, uh, waiting to be milked, because um, we've changed the clocks. <laughs> so you, you don't... As a, and the, would other farmers do this? They don't touch their clocks because of this thing that the animals might call onto it? Um, I think what a lot of people do, to be fair, they change them over such a, a, a few days. Okay. Um, they would perhaps do quarter of an hour um, each day. Sneaky. You know, until, until, until the middle of the week, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's quite incredible. That's blowing my mind. Right, I'm going to let off all farmers, if that's the case. I don't want you to let off anything, so thanks very much, innit? <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Good to chat. Uh, Paul says, I'm the only one at my work who's tall enough to reach the clock to change it, but I'm refusing to touch it on the grounds that it's a Spurs clock and I'll have no part <laughs> in it. That's fair enough, Paul. We kind of endorse that. Just any form of jousting with your rival football teams, we like that on this show. I tell you what, though, Richie, a bit of breaking news on the whole clock change thing. Right. We've got Lee on the line with some news that you need to hear. Uh, what do you want to tell Captain Clock Change Richie about, Lee? Apparently, this is last year we're doing it. Is it? Um... Yeah, I believe so. And the reason we introduced it is because uh, after World War Two, it, it created late, lighter working hours, so we could work more. To, uh, okay, I'm just looking through my Gmail now, uh, Lee. I must have missed that email about um, them not doing the clock change anymore. What happened? Right. How, did, how did Richie and I not know about it? Again, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw it on the program somewhere. Are we going to stop changing the clocks? Because uh, if, if true, this is a game changer. It, it means that yeah, Richie yeah. there, we, you, you, you've got nothing to worry about because we're not going to do it anymore. You can, what, hey, 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 hey. October 2021 is going to be the last clock change. <gasps> Next year, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cheers, Lee. Interesting intel. What about that, and Richie? How do you feel about the fact that the, the clock change thing then, this thing that you, you've done an audit for on the show, <laughs> it's, this is it, not going to happen ever again? I think it's, uh, it stresses me out a little bit that those people who haven't got it right now will now never get the chance to ever get it right. Well, maybe the train station down your uh, down the road from where you live is just getting ready for 2021. Oh, don't. <laughs> Hometime Podcast with Bush and Ritchie. If you're listening, it's probably not home time anymore, but we can't be bothered to think of a new name. Absolute radio. Now, as you well know, I'm a, I love board games. I'm a big board game fan. I bang on about it a little bit. And I think in these weird times, it's quite good to switch off your phone and interact with humans and not wind yourself up by looking at the news and stuff like that as well. Uh, as a result, I started doing a weekly board game podcast. It's about board games and chat and tangents and all that kind of thing. Mucking around, really. It's called Bush's Board Game Thing. Have a little listen. Give it a try if you can. I would, I would really appreciate it. Episode two is out today, though, and it's about uh, board games that are based on movies. Oh, right. Because we're in it. We play the Jaws. They've made Jaws. The, right, yeah. uh, the brilliant movie into a board game and it's really good really really good going to need a bigger board you're gonna, exactly Thank you get you. to play uh, one person's the shark the other one's in the boat oh, going around yeah. trying to trap him and all that kind of it really is good but I've always felt uh, when we were talking about this that you can carbon date yourself speaking of movies by the first movie that you went to see for your birthday so can you if you think back right now right I think everyone has got like a time stamp and that is the first film that they went to see for their birthday party okay when you got all your mates together you might have gone to I don't know to Wimpy first and then you go on to the cinema for me and I don't know what year this was but it was Labyrinth with David Bowie in it right uh, and that was at the Robbins Theatre in Bath, which is, if you, if you know Bath, you were in Bath recently. I There's was. a tiny little cinema, really tiny little cinema that can hold like 20 people. We, we went there to go and watch it. 
Uh, and I remember as well, my dad uh, had had a bad back. He put his back out when he was doing some gardening and had gone for an epidural that morning. Yeah. So instead of watching the film, he had to, he had to <laughs> lie on the back seat of the car like he was <laughs> off, off it. My two friends were like, is your dad all right? He, he stayed on the back of the car all night. 1986. I've just oh, checked my for you. word. That's there depressing. you go. Back in time, that is. Richie, what was the first movie you went to see for your birthday? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> That's a classic. It is a classic. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it for years. I, I wonder how it's aged now. But like back in the back in the day, that was just Jessica like, Rabbit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a good film. That's a good first. It's film. a great film. Yeah, I'm going to check that one back out again. But it does timestamp you. That's the thing. So look, have a little think about it. Like I said, this this is almost carbon dating, kind of, without the science. Flash Gordon, this text says, I wasn't allowed to go and see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. All right, mate. All right, uh, there. <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> uh, right, Haley's hanging on. You got a great first movie for us <laughs> if you could call Beethoven a great first birthday movie then yeah <laughs> Beethoven is that the one with the dog it is yes it's the, the big fluffy St Bernard I can't even remember what happens to him but so you um, can't remember the you, you can't necessarily remember the uh, the plot of the film but do you do you remember the day do you remember the occasion Yes, I do, because um, woke up on my birthday, this first birthday cinema trip was planned, and my mum, who always got landed with these things, was unfortunately ill that day with the flu. Okay. So my poor dad got landed with the job of taking about 12 giggly preteen girls to the cinema. <laughs> oh, God bless him. <laughs> For Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, but he, he stepped up to the task admirably, took us to the cinema, we watched Beethoven, we loved it, um, he protested at the whole thing but at the end was unfortunately spotted with tears in his eyes oh um, really big softy yeah, <laughs> he did swear that uh, he was just yawning because the whole thing <laughs> bored him so much and he, to this day he hasn't lived it down because we know the truth I've never yawned so much that my tear ducts have broken <laughs> I'm not having it <laughs> Well, apparently we'll try Beethoven. Apparently that works. Amazing. Uh, Kieran is is actually quite a dramatic uh, event for him. Kieran's putting forward arachnophobia. Oh. <laughs> now he says fire alarms for a bomb scare went off twenty minutes in at the Metro Centre because he's obviously up in Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, so they had to evacuate. So he never got to finish it. Um, and he says on the way out. <laughs> John Menzies was on unstaffed, so no. he, yes, he did not. Naughty boy, Kieran. Um, but we don't we don't condone that behaviour. But what what a tyke he is. John Menzies, are, are they still a thing? I don't think it is still a thing. We, we had one in Torquay. Blame you, Kieran. Blame you. Come on, Kieran, mate. Rosa says, oh, not the Rosa's trying to chase Kieran. Uh, Rosa says, first one I can remember is the Dark Crystal, at the cinema that is now a bingo hall. Ah, oh, yin and yang, great memories. But this is the problem. Lo- loads of these cinemas aren't here anymore. Neither is John Menzies. Well, John Menzies actually just on that because I've, I've checked. <laughs> they now appear to be an aviation firm in Scotland. Well, they really have changed the business model. Jem <laughs> uh, says, it should have been The Little Mermaid. My parents had the tickets all booked, but I had to go to hospital and have my tonsils removed instead. My first film ended up then being Jurassic Park. Rather different. Which is not bad, though. Uh, Star Wars in the Regent Ipswich, then on to the Big Daddy's Burger Bar, then Home Feeling Sick, says uh, <laughs> uh, this specific Love memory. Uh, Debbie's hanging on. You've, you've got a memory for us, Debbie, then? It wasn't my birthday. It was a friend called Shirley. Right. Okay. And we lived down in a small village down in Hampshire. Yeah. And it was for her birthday. We are at primary school. And it was a little flea pit in a little place called Eastleigh in Hampshire. 
and her dad, who owned the local pet shop, who he thought was really, you know, hip, he used to walk around in flip-flops with mud oozing out between his toes, treated us to a trip for her birthday to um, a cinema in Eastleigh to see Around the World in 80 Days right. with David Niven. <laughs> and, um, it was a disgusting, smelly old flea pit. You hate that cinema, don't you? You really hate the cinema. (laughs) The the usherette came in. There was only us three girls there. I think we were at primary school. Yeah. And um, she sat in front of us, and she's smoking a cigarette, and she said, you can see girls, can't you? And obviously her big silhouette was um, in front of the screen. And we uh, couldn't, and then... Um, you, you sound like you've had the we, worst cinema experience I've ever yeah. heard of in my entire life. It, it stank. <laughs> it was a flea pit. It was a flea pit. You Debbie, know, and fl- it was absolutely disgusting. Just, just to clarify, um, it came out in 1956. Oh, my word. You don't... You don't, <laughs> you don't mind me saying, you don't sound old enough. I, um, 1958, I was born... Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like... Um, yeah, it hung around in the cinemas for a while, didn't <laughs> it? <laughs> well, we're still here. Yeah, it's all fine. We're, we're going to be OK. It's not, not a problem at all.